Welcome to the Altruism Unplugged podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Walsh. Welcome to the first episode of Altruism Unplugged. I'm your host, Jerry Walsh. With me is Jackson Duncan, founder of the Philadelphia-based nonprofit Focus Athletics. Thanks for coming on, brother. Thanks for having me, man. We've been talking about this for a couple years now. Yeah, yeah, man. I've been kind of, you know, you know, I've been I've been popping in and out and, and trying to help out when I can. And you know, I'll start now just by thanking you and letting everybody know that you're the driving force behind me starting this podcast in the first place, man. I respect what you're doing, and you know, I'm trying to follow in your footsteps, man. And, and you're leading the way. Well, I absolutely appreciate that. I mean, we're just I'm just lucky to be here. We're just happy to be able to, you know, be where we're at and be able to help these young men get to the next level and it's just this is about as guerrilla and uh grassroots of an organization as you could possibly be we started with flipping tires in a field about six years ago and now we have a, a full board and we're really well funded and you know we have put over oh, i think 118 boys young men we've helped to get into college at this point so it's been uh it's been a wild ride yeah, man. So, you know, talk to, talk to us about what your organization is and the community that it aims to serve. Like, what do you guys do? So we're, we're Philly as Philly gets, and we uh, provide athletic, academic, and professional development to football players in underserved communities, athletes, but football players mostly in underserved communities in Philadelphia. So we got uh, some feeder schools, MOTEP Charter is one, they're great. Um, Gratz, uh, Martin Luther King. Um, we also have uh, Northeast High School we work with quite a bit. So a bunch of, you know, essentially this started as just workout mentorship, like male role models. A lot of our guys, you know, being raised by just mom or uh, grandmom. And then we brought a bu- together a bunch of guys who were, men who were ex-athletes, ex-football players, who were young professionals, um, who are excellent male role models. So we uh, provide them with resume building, job placement. The SAT prep is really cool. Again, we started as a mentorship, um, just basically workout group. And then two of the guys came to me, both Temple football players now, and said, Jack, we got SATs coming up. And we have no idea what we're doing. And I was like, well, you know, doesn't your school have SAT prep? They're like, no, we got metal detectors. Like, we got nothing. So weird the way the universe works. The director of academics I had met a week before. And he's a professional tutor full time. And he said, I'm in. I'm in. I signed me up. So he built out this tutoring program from absolute scratch. To where we've had guys go up, you know, 100, 150 points in their SATs um, and really invest. I mean, the really cool thing about the SAT, the academic portion, within the first year, by dumb luck pretty much, we had two Shark Tank winners donate resources. One was the Scali app, um, which essentially you go on and you can put your information in. I'm left-handed. I my money. My family's from this you know, we're second generation, whatever the case may be. And they'll give you literally pop up 20 scholarships you can apply for. The second was perfect SAT prep, which 
it's eight hundred dollars a login, and they donated fifty off the top. So all of a sudden, we're this you know really you know scrappy startup program nonprofit, and then we have two Shark Tank winners investing academically. So it basically just you know skyrocket our academic portion. That's kind of the thing I feel like people really care about more. I mean, it's great kids lifting weights, being active, of course. However, those grades are, you know, really the driving force behind what we do. And then, um, you know, you've seen we post the kids with an arrow going up and a picture of their score and what their score improved. And, you know, it became the culture of the program changed. It became, you know, kids were competing. They're athletes. They compete. So kids are competing to see. You know, oh man, you only got this on your math, or you only got this in your English. Look at, I got a, you know, I got a. And at first, it was not cool. They were like, "You're a dork," you know. You are trying to get better grades. Like this is not cool. And then all of a sudden, the real star athletes were getting, you know, eleven eighty, twelve hundred SATs, and they're walking in with their swag up, like, "Yo, man, you know, step your game up. I got a twelve hundred. You know, was good." And so that culture changing really. Um, ignited a really strong fire as far as our educational aspect of things. And kids really wanted to compete. And, you know, we got a room full of really special guys who are just fighting for every point on those SATs. And it's been tough with Eastern times. Um, you know, SATs, I guess, two weeks, three weeks ago, got canceled at Newman Gretti. They had an outbreak or something, or they had a test positive, and they... I had six kids there ready to take the test. And all they did was put up a sign that said, SATs are canceled. And really, you know, behind the SATs, you have to make sure kids get their um, ticket printed out. They have to have their ID. Uh, And so I had, you know, my phone's blowing up like, Coach Jack, Coach Jack, Coach Jack, SATs are canceled. And I get it. You know, they got to be safe. But also, you know, we have not had a chance to take our SATs in quite a while. So that's the barriers we're facing at this point. And March is not, this is the next SAT. So, you know, we got some guys dialed in, but our seniors are like, you know, we need a score right now. And so it's, we got originally, you know, uh, everything got shut down. We had every single junior in the program signed up for the test. They had their own calculator that was donated. You know, that was a great part. I, mean, I know you probably remember I was going out on social media asking for calculators. Right. And that was nuts because everybody's like, yo, I got a Texas instrument back home in my mom's house or my parents' house sitting in a drawer. Here you go. We Were they like the uh, TI-83s or something like that? Yeah, I didn't really use it that much. Yeah, the old Texas instrument. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just write in like weird things on there. I don't (laughs) really like add much up. So they, uh, you know, so many people were like, oh my God, I have one sitting in a drawer that I haven't touched in years. Um kind of donated to the program. So we ended up getting, I guess they're a hundred bucks a pop. So over 50 calculators donated. So that's five grand right there that we didn't have to spend out of donations and something, you know, people had just laying around. Right. And uh, you talked about some like the juniors and seniors, like them getting cut out on their sports for this year. Did that impact them as far as like getting signed up? You just actually came from signing day. So if you want to kind of talk about, you know, your signing day. You said you just you had to change out of your tux and, and get in your normal Indeed. guard there. If you would have showed up in a tux, that would have been ball or I would have been cool with it. 
Sir, I, I was not going to wear a tux on the uh, Broad Street line to come down here. That's for sure. And I would not mess with a guy in the tux on the Broad Street line. No way. Yeah, something's going on with him. But yeah, no, I uh, wore my, I, you know, we had our signing day usually. Last year was at Iron Hill Brewery. The year before it was West Philly Tap House. Um, it's a huge event. We have, you know, we've had so many. Jason Avant was a guest speaker two years ago. So many NFL guys come and speak. And this year, it was literally, you can have two guests. Um, we temp-checked everyone coming in. Everyone wore their masks. They took their masks off to say, you know, I'm committing. And um, it was really different. But, uh, yeah, no, the kids that are affected. So now in the public league, they're playing uh, in the spring. Gotcha. Okay, they just pushed it back? They pushed it back to cool. playing in the spring. However, the problem, in the, case, the problem here is that scholarships are really already handed out. At that point, so if you're not already, you know, a four star, you know, three star, four star athlete, our guys that are on the cusp that are like division two, II, division three guys are, um, you know, not getting the opportunity to showcase their talents their senior year. And you got to understand Philly football, these guys play since they're five years old, right? You know, so that's really uh, something that's been detrimental. I mean, Philly. We're at what, f- almost 500 murders this year? Yeah, we're definitely breaking records without a doubt. We're beyond it. Bad, every record. Of in all a very time. bad yeah. way, yeah. yeah so yeah. that's my son. We were at, we were having breakfast the other day. Zymir, I, no, I adopted a kid from the program, as you know, and we'll talk about that. Right. Wild Absolutely. Man. And he says, Dad, we're beating, we're beating Chirac right now. I'm like, what? Like, we got more murders in Chicago. Like, you're talking about a murder rate, like a football score. Yep. Which is. Really, really just kind of, you know, got to take a step back and be like, wow, you know, this is unprecedented. This the, These numbers right now in Philadelphia, and these are the neighborhoods our guys come from. So, first of all, you lose football, you lose the gyms, you lose school, you lose, uh, you know, all these things that were your outlets and your safe spaces. And you fill them up with a bunch of murders in your neighborhood. And it's like, how do you expect these kids to succeed or even, you know, get out of bed in the morning? So um, we've been creative. We did the Christian Marche challenge, which was Christian Marche was a, he was my son's best friend. He was a kid in the program and he was killed about two years ago. He was shot in his head, shot in the head. And uh, it was the day before he left for Penn State on a full track scholarship. So we did the Christian Marche challenge where we uh, kind of got everybody on the Nike run app. <laughs> Shout out to Nike. If you guys want to sponsor us, you know, that's a free plug. Yeah, drop it on there. Hey, Ooh. so we had, you know, tons of kids run about three, 400 miles. Uh, the young lady that won the competition, uh, she was like, well, I was a friend of his. Can I compete? And I said, okay, do you have any athletic background? She's like, yeah, I run track and Navy. It's like, okay, okay, I got you. Uh, I'm Naval Academy track. So it was great because her and this other kid, Diedrich, who's the running back at um, Howard, they were trading tit for tat. He'd run at night, she'd run in the morning. They beat his school. She'd beat hers, she'd beat hers, and they just kept going. Eventually, she hit her stride and she was doing like 18, 20 miles a day. He was like, (sighs) Not me. He's like, I can't do it, Coach Jack. I'm done. She wins, which was great because Meridian Bank, who. Great sponsor of ours, Philadelphia-based bank that, and they matched the donations. We gave her a check for a thousand bucks. Nice. So that's how we've been able to kind of pivot and get the kids active. 
Um, nice, yeah. Uh, Relentless can show up in many forms. I'm sure if she showed, you know, she walked in a room, no one would be scared of her. But uh, you know, on the track, it's a different story. I mean, I'll tell you what. Honestly, she showed up. She's a like a first generation American, like mom born in Jamaica. So, you know, and just her excitement. She's she's going to be a doctor from the Navy. It's like, oh my God, you're you are incredible, and just her fire and passion really. Blew me away, and I was just so happy to hand her. We got the giant check from Meridian, which is, you know, we love giant checks. You know, that's like Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Can you cash this thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, whenever we want to do our scholarships, we do the the big checks, and you know, it's just a lot of fun. So, it was really great. We had one of our donors. Uh, they gave a donation with a stipulation. There, here's twenty grand. Um. I want this to go for the next 10 years, 1,000 apiece, the first and second uh, highest SAT score. So we did the highest score and the highest improvement. So, you know, guys that started out getting these 700, 800 scores that put 200 points on their SATs, we were able to reward them. Then we have the Christian Marche scholarship for the young man who um, was was killed. It was uh, It was rough, man. It was... My son's best friend, Zymir, like I said, has adopted a young man from the program. And, um, you know, I've only seen him cry twice. And I came in his room and he was crying. He said, you know, they killed Christian. And uh, he said, Jack, I need $300. And at that point, I would have given him whatever he wanted. Right. Comes back entire back tatted with his best friend's face. Like literally his whole back is this kid's face. And Christian was like, that was the, the really tough part. It was... Christian was so good looking. He was the best dancer. He was a, you know, he would rap. He would do, he was a track star. He would do everything. And the one, I guess, silver lining with that is his little brother, Xavier, is in the program. Right. And, you know, we're able to work with him. And his mother, you know, every time I see her, I just give her the biggest hug. And it was great. The kid that won the Christian Marche Scholarship last year was a first generation Jamaican immigrant one parish over from where the mother was raised. And, um, you know, it was just really kind of a good feeling to give him that, that check and to be able to, um, you know, fund his education. So, yeah, man, you, you, you know, you gave him a place to go too. And it's obvious that your organization does that with the, the record setting murder rate and, you know, have it, have it touching you guys personally, you know, you gave these guys a place to go and you gave them, um, the avenue to try, you know, and the the leadership that they needed to see to get through something like that. Like, how did they look to you guys to, you know, pivot from there well, and move I always, forward? I always say that to them, like, guys, I can't take the test for you. Um, I can't run the 40-yard for you, but I'll give you every tool up to that that is going to help you be able to do that. So, you know, the I can't literally sit down and take a test for you, but... We'll give you everything else leading up to that. I mean, I, the funny line I always say to guys is like, look, whatever you want to do. If you want to be an astronaut, I'll find an astronaut to talk to you about being an astronaut, you know? I'll yeah, get, I know I'll, a guy. Yeah, I know yeah, a guy. I'll, I'll, I'll find a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy. <laughs> we had the kid the other day. He was like, he's a Palumbo guy, which is actually a better school in Philly. He was like, hey, Coach Jack, I took Mandarin for two years. And, you know, you think you can find me a Mandarin tutor? And I was like, oh, that's a, that's a tall <laughs> order, but... I texted a guy, I texted a guy, I texted a guy who was like, yeah, I know a young lady who goes, who works back and forth between 
uh, China and here with business relations, and she's open to tutor and teach a Mandarin. Like, holy smokes! Like this is this is pretty legit, right? You know, on top of you know you finding you know whether it be you know someone who has knowledge on SAT prep or strength conditioning or whatever, you know how important was it for you to talk to them about how to deal with that loss? you know, in your program and how to move forward and still double down and train harder and study more and have them not just get down and, 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 and say, screw it, you know? So that's, we're actually working on a pretty cool app um, where the kids come into workouts and you check in on the app, but you check in with an emoji. Right. So there's an emoji for a smiley face, a sad face, a, you know, pissed off face like so you kind of track the kids and how their moods are going and then we have uh some volunteer folks that do therapy however you don't use the word therapy uh it's sports psychology right because when a kid hears therapy i'm, I'm not broken i'm not right. of a problem like why would i have to do therapy what's wrong you know so um you know you have to be very careful you know we have some folks who packages at package the therapy as sports psychology and then the kids are much more um into giving it a shot so you can kind of as we implement this app you can trace their moods and then you know apply get them into air quote sports psychology as they go along which is it's just therapy it's just packaged in different ways so we've been able to help guys with that kind of stuff and we've had some people from you know grief counseling folks come in and our guys are pretty callous. That's the thing. Our, our guys are pretty callous. Uh, my son in particular, one of his friends who's an outstanding quarterback who just went to the streets, he's like, oh, yeah, Dad, Reek got shot in the face. Like, what? Wait, what? Are you okay? Are you like, yeah, he's good. He's going to survive. Like, And just like, that's in passing. So our guys are so callous and kind of just build up these walls to violence that it's every day that – it shouldn't be, you know, so that's kind of been a big thing is like, this is not, not common day. This shouldn't be your every day. You know, you can, it's okay to be upset. Right. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to, um, show your emotions. You don't have to be hard as a coffin nail all the time. Yeah. I think it's good. It's, I think it's a good thing too, though, that you're, you're not creating like a victim's mentality either. You're letting them know that they can grieve, but still move forward. I'm still, you're, you know, you're still telling them you better get that 200 up high on that SAT sure, score. Sure. And I want to see you, you know, at practice, you know what I mean? So it's good. You know, you're letting them kind of, you know, air it out, but also you're still pushing them. Well, what we kind of tell the guys is we're now we're living for them. The guys we've lost and we lost, oh shoot. We've lost. Christian was the first. And then there was seam. Oh my God. Seam Gliz. This guy was a linebacker. Good-looking kid, just super charismatic. He was a tough guy, though, but, like, and he got into an Instagram argument, and they pulled up with automatic weapons and just lit him up, and the third was the tough one. I say one's more tougher than the other, but um, so there was two twins, uh, Sue and Faye. They're twin brothers, I think identical. They looked, I mean... Workout partners, they just train with each other, challenge each other. And the story I got was that I guess their dad, they were estranged from. They went over, dad was letting them play with a loaded gun, gun goes off. Um, and the kid was playing with it actually 
accidentally killed his twin brother. Which is like, I couldn't make this up. It's like a, it's a really like a horror story. So, you know, that was like, uh, you know, and the dad had had felonies. And my understanding is the dad had felonies. He was not supposed to have a gun, stuff like that. And that was just one of the really soul crushing things that uh, we went through as far as losing one of our student athletes. Right. Yeah. Losing one and trying to have to coach the other through. Yeah, that you, problem. Imagine that your best friend, who's your like workout partner, your everything, and you know you accidentally you know kill him. Like you know, I've I've always check up with him. Hey man, how you doing? You know, you holding your head up? You good? Because it's just that that was one of the really detrimental. Um, I'll tell you what. I'm sure you continuing to check in with him means something because I doubt there's that that many people continuing to do that. So I I'm, I know it means something to him, guaranteed. We like to have that with all of our guys, um, and we have kind of a, a system where we work with some of the little league teams, like the South Philly Sharks or one, for instance, we work with a lot, and we let them come to workouts, the 12 and under program, and we kind of pair them with the older athletes, um, and you know, just kind of the older athletes who they get the, all these free resources, they get all this gear, they get all these meals. You know, our meal program is, we'll talk about that, but our meal program, we provide, you know, hundreds of meals a month. And, you know, you're kind of penance for giving back or your, your, your cost of giving back is to kind of mentor some of the younger guys and just say, hey, you know, and our younger guys look at the older guys like they're freaking superstars, like yep, they're guys. Yep. Like, you know, you see my son, Zymir, he's 6'2", 240, jacked out of his mind and covered in tattoos. So imagine you're a 12 year old kid, and this guy is taking his time to teach you how to shed a block or to, you know, bench press the right way, whatever it is. That goes such a long way. Yeah, they'll remember that forever. Forever, yeah. And that's the thing. They'll, you know, if those 10 kids help 10 kids who help 10 kids, the ripple effect we're going to be able to have is really going to be incredible. Right. Well, speaking of that, I get you. You got to do that for for the kids that are, you know, some of the older kids. You played a little bit of ball in West Virginia. And I know for myself... I was at Franklin and Marshall. Okay, Franklin and Marshall. Okay. Franklin and Marshall. Not quite West Virginia. Right, right. We have some kids. Actually, the um, starting safety, Tyke, is at West Virginia as a graduate of the program. Right. And uh, he was, again, like, he had a 1080 SAT, which he was so proud of. And, you know, now he's... I think he's the second... Highest rated D back in college football right now. Right. And he's a West Philly guy. He's from the pit in West Philly is a tough neighborhood. He's from a tough neighborhood. And it's just like, holy smokes, man. Like, it's a kid that like, you know, and I would always, you know, see him, go grab him. Like, hey, what's up, man? Like, kind of, you know, put an arm around him and let him know, you know, things are going to be good. Things are going to be okay. Like, you know, and it's just exciting to see the guys really making great strides at the college level. So, yeah, no, I was not quite West Virginia. I was... I was at F and M, and that was one of the great opportunities. And it's uh, you know one of the top private education in the country. And we have one of our guys now, Karanga, um, who is a first generation guy. For, I think his parents are from Liberia. We're trying to get him in and trying to you know get him into this school, which is just would be incredible for him. Uh, you know some of the Ivy leagues that we're now getting our kids. Looks at like going from North Philly to the Ivy League is something pretty impressive. Right? Yeah, I spent a, I spent a lot of time out in West Philly. I'm in the fire department, so I spent a lot of time out there, so I know what it is. You know, so going from there to 
you know, to some Ivy League schools, uh, that's a crazy it's transition. Quite a, quite a transition, absolutely. Yeah, do you think it – so I kind of want to circle back to the fact that, you know, you playing ball, you know, does that have influence on the way that you train guys and the way that they see you? Because they've they, you know, they seen you done before. You, you know, you, re- you played that game – and you're not just telling them, hey, this is how you play. This is how you operate. This is how you get there. You say, hey, I've been there. This is how you do it. You know, do you think that creates buy-in with them? Sure. I mean, well, we have our our volunteers at Focused. We have a defensive back who played at Oklahoma who's a straight, uh, wealth management guy. Another wealth management guy that played at Memphis. We have a tight end from Temple who is a – you know, works the city treasurer. We have a linebacker from Penn State who's now a cardiologist. So we have all these guys who are incredible role models who are so successful who also are ex-athletes. So we surround them with a ton of just positive influences because if you don't have that strong male role model, you know, and shout out to the moms that are raising kids on their own. Shout out to the grandmothers raising kids on their own. You're the real superstars. So... But that, that missing piece, you know, if our guys don't get it from us, they're going to see, you know, all right, here's the guy in the corner and is not doing the right thing, but he's a male role model. And I, as a kid, my, my father died when I was like five, six, seven, seven. Always wanting that male approval is, you know, really an interesting dynamic. So I would say that the most thing with the kids that gives me credibility is the MMA thing. So... Um, yeah, let's talk about that. That's how me and you kind of know each other through the MMA community. Um, yeah, let's talk about that. Where where did you first start training at? And uh... well, I, uh, I I boxed growing up, and I wrestled in, in college. And after I was done my athletics, there was a gym uh, near the school in Lancaster, and I went over there, and you know I didn't know what to expect, and there was uh, some guys who were you know, fighting and making a little money doing it. And, you know, I went in and was, did pretty well against them. And, you know, I said, look, if you guys are making money, I, I can do this. Absolutely. So um, I ended up going five and one. I had one split decision losses as, as an amateur and uh, won an amateur title, which was, you know, a good, it was a good experience for me. It was, it, it was a good booster as far as my brother always jokes with me. He said, you said if you didn't win that amateur title, you'd be selling a uh, car insurance somewhere or something like that. You know, like You're just the toughest car insurance salesman. On, in well, Philly. it just gave it gave me a lot of pride and a lot of uh, you know a lot of feeling of, 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 of achievement. And then when I started with my my career at Odin Properties, my day job is real estate development, which um, I've been really lucky, and you know I couldn't imagine. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to, if you'd have asked me before this started, you know, where you'd be at, I, I, I couldn't imagine, I'm just as blessed and as lucky as a guy can be. So, right. um, and that was the thing, the guy who founded our company was, he's a, he's a Wharton guy and he was just like, I was still fighting and doing real estate development. He's like, my man, like, you got to make a big boy decision. And that was crazy back you then. You showing up to the office, like fight club with like black eye and Tim, Tim Carpenter. Face- yeah, Tim. Is, yeah, I trained Tim a little bit. I do some strength conditioning with Tim. So Tim and I, he was getting ready for his Bellator. I think it was a title fight or the Bellator Grand Prix, maybe. And we come in and we're mixing it up, and you know, we're we're you know, I, I really am trying to you know, turns around and throws a kick, and right above his shin guard, 
there's about four inches and caught me. And I just remember, you know, kind of falling back and then coming back and then just seeing his face. So I ended up getting 18 stitches, 12 subcutaneous. So I go in the office and, you know, like I said, my, the guy I found in my company is a Wharton guy. He's like, he's a brain and he's just like, yeah. So what do you want to do here? And that was the time. Do you remember back? It was even like eight, nine years ago. You would see guys on the UFC, uh, like main main card that was like 4,000 to show, 4,000 to win. Yeah, that long ago too was a different ball game. Like the athletes now that are fighting and like the top of the game, I mean, they're making, you know, 250 yeah. and 250. Back then it was literally, you know, there was guys literally on the UFC card that were making eight grand to win after a six-week training camp and yeah. their coaches and stuff. So it was like, you it's know. It was an easy decision. Yeah, not, not, it, wasn't, it wasn't difficult. And that's, and that's the thing too. Like now with MMA – these, these, you know, guys are training, you know, BJJ since they can walk, they're striking, they're, you know, back then it was like, you can beat up your neighbor, you can win a couple of fights. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, and it wasn't that, yeah, like the guys, the guys that were fighting in the UFC then couldn't even, they wouldn't even make it in anymore, they wouldn't be yeah, at, and, at the and, bottom and of the, the show. The local just, circuit, yeah, you know, it's so. So what's happening now is, so, you know, some of the athletes you're seeing that are going D1 for college, for college ball, for whatever they're doing, track and field. Those guys are filling over to UFC because you know they can make some money over there. They're getting the top athletes now. They're you know that may have played NBA or played you know yeah, it's college the best. Ball. The best. It's literally yeah. like like uh, the Kumite. Like it really is the best fighters you know in the world, uh, which is very interesting. And that played a big part in Focus Athletics because, uh, as you know, Ricardo Miglieris is a you know just a superstar, and our guys. Uh, when they come to balance and do jiu-jitsu and box. I mean, you've seen the video with Ricardo boxing the three kids at one yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. And, like, you get this guy who's, like, 6'4 with an eight-pack with, like, a chiseled jaw, and the kids are just, like, that's what they always say. Like, yo, keep messing with me. I'm going to get my old head Ricardo on you. And they love him. And yeah, he's been, yeah, yeah. you know, if you watch the mini documentary, just he's been such a driving force with our guys and focused, and they just – adore him they 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 worship the ground he walks on and you know he would be just such a and even with my son's Zymir like uh when I was having tough there's one day I get a FaceTime and Zai's sitting in the, the front seat of Ricardo's car and he's just like yeah I got my young boy with me you know and um you know Zai is just every all every kid I mean he's hard not to like because you know he's a, he's a very polarizing figure but he made it he has made a tremendous difference in so many kids' lives as one of our coaches for Focus Athletics. As far as the jiu-jitsu, as far as the boxing, as far as just being like, you know, a superstar the way he is and kind of, you know, just a pole, you know, it's, it's a huge figure, literally and figuratively, in these kids' lives. Yeah, so like we're talking about, you know, we talked about getting black eyes, getting scrapped up, getting your stitches you know, and a lot of people from a distance might not see that in the jujitsu and, you know, martial arts community that, like, we have that kind of humbleness about us and quality about us to help other people out. Like, every single gym I've ever walked into, you know, everyone, you know, opens their, opens their doors and opens their arms, you know, and if something goes down, everybody's always around to help each other out. So, that's kind of a cool aspect a lot of people really wouldn't know. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty dangerous dudes, but they're good people, too. That's, well, that's the whole thing. The... Guys that are most dangerous are the sweetest, kindest. Like 
you'll never know they're tough guys. The guys that act like real tough guys are like the ones down at Xfinity with, uh, you know, armband tattoos. Like, yo, bro, like, you know. Yeah, they got nothing to prove. Yeah, they're real, they're real serious. And that's the thing, like, I talk about guys like like the Vogels at, at Balance, like uh, the twin brothers. They're like, you know, I don't say nerdy looking guys, but they're like little unassuming, but like they're bad dudes. And that's that's what I tell people. You know, uh, a lot of guys always see my cauliflower and they're like, Yo, bro, you a fighter? You, you know, you tra-, you're like, no, sir, I don't know anything. What you're talking about? I'm sorry, I, and I don't want any yeah, trouble. Yeah, you yep. I don't want any trouble, sir. Yeah. Yep. So that's been, you know, and that's a good thing for our guys to be very unassuming and be humble. Humble is the most, a very important. And we talk about being, being a man and a good man, and you know, yeah, check your ego at the door. That's what you indeed. see in a lot of gyms, right? Check your, check your ego it, at the door. Yeah, balance it says it right at the wall. You know, right on the wall as soon as you go in. Yep. Yeah, you got to live by that 100%. Yeah, no, we've had such great guys. Aaron Meisner, um, yep. who owns Royal Striking, who's a... Um, uh, yeah, that's right here in alone. South Philly, too. Indeed. Aaron Spot. You know, he's been great with the guys. Jackson Galka, who is another guy that we both know. Yeah, owns North Star, right? Yeah, another pro MMA fight. Jackson, my favorite story about him, other Jackson, we call him Jackson 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So the kid, Christian Marche, that was killed, he's in there and he was so sharp. And he's in there boxing with Jackson and Jackson goes, uh, other Jackson goes, you know, you got to think about it like it's Top Gun. He was like, what? He was like, like Top Gun, like when you're locking onto a target and and you strike and you, you know, the kid was like, what? He's like, I was born in, I was born in 2000. (laughs) And Jackson's like, you never seen Top Gun before? He was like, nah, man. Like, what? And I was like, should we make him watch Top? Like, Top Gun? These kids would think that was the corniest stuff ever, you know? Like, but yeah, yeah Jackson was like, beach volleyball scene. Yeah, you never seen Top Gun? What? What, what are you talking? The kid was like, he's a, he's a kid, you know, from the hood, from you know, Mount Airy, and he's just like, nah, what? He's like, you know, it's like jets, like you're locking on each other. He was like, nah, nah, I'm good. Yeah, I don't think anybody would disagree that Top Gun should be a part, mandatory watch for people in focus. I don't think the kids would get it, man. I don't think they definitely wouldn't. That's the thing. I actually, Christmas, uh, two years ago, Zymir, my son, watched Home Alone for the first time. And he was just like, just so taken aback. And he was like, Dad. Why do they keep coming back if that little white kid just keeps fucking them up? <laughs> and I, he was like, "Shouldn't they get another house? To, they just rob another house." He, he's got, you know. And I was like, "Well, that's kind of like the whole premise of the movie is like, you know, he was just like so like, I don't get it. Like, why? Why would these? You know, what is going on here? Wet bandits. Yeah, and like he was like, "Yo, all I do is put a roller skate on stairs. Like, you know, what's going? Like he was so, and you're kind of making these guys, uh, you know, making them." kind of giving them the opportunity to see stuff like that, uh, especially with Zai, has been uh, interesting. That's classic. Yeah, if you want to go back on that, like talk about, you know, because obviously, you know, you got you started your nonprofit and you're helping, you know, the kids in your community in the Philadelphia area, but you've also opened up your own house, you know, so and adopted a few, you know, kids well, in the area. Adopted one. I have okay. Yeah, talk, let's talk about that. I right now. So, um, yeah, I don't even know the difference. I don't. I don't know the difference. We Adopt is forever. He's yeah. got my name. Okay. Yep. You know, he's, yeah. He's. You know. He's got my last name. So he came to me. It was we were doing a camp in in North Philly. He comes up and he's like, "Hey," I was like, "Hey, what's up, man?" He was like, 
I heard you used to be an MMA fighter. I was like, yeah, it does MMA fights. He's like, well, I'll even let you know that I'm the toughest guy in Uptown. I was like, all right, man. And he just ran away. I was like, all right, you know. And I was like, who is that kid? And they're like, that's Zymir. Like, he'll fight anybody out here. Like, he's he's in foster care. And it turns out he'd been in, like, 13 homes since he was eight years old. And just, like, crazy stuff. Like, really, it had a tough time. And, you know, he started coming to focus. And he was, like, my, my little guy. And, you know, I would – not little guy. He was still – at 15, he was already, you know – Six foot, like probably 190. Now, like I said, he's 240 now and 6'2. He's a man now. But, uh, you know, I just put my arm around him and be like, yo, man, like, how you holding up? You know, kind of deal. And then, you know, he would not have it, you know, he didn't want to go back to the group home. So he'd come to my house. I was living in the 17th and Spruce before I bought the house in South Philly. And he'd just be like, hang out. And then I bought him an Xbox, which was like, and then one day he was like, hey, Coach Jack. I'm going to need you to adopt me. I was like, come again, sir. Excuse me? He's like, no, nah, I'm going to need you to adopt me. I I, I I, need you, you know. And I was like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> nice. First he, first he wanted to fight you, and now, now yeah, you're adopting him. Now, and then, well, that's how he really bonded. You saw, yeah, I posted yeah. a thing the other day. Did you see that of him boxing? Yeah, no, nah, nah, I didn't catch it. Nah, I didn't he's catch sharp it. as ever now. Yeah. So, oh, that was one hitting pads in the park. Yeah, 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 I did see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. sharp as ever, yeah, man. Yeah, like, he's that was clean. so... So smooth, and it's great for football. So, yeah, he's good, you know. And I was a single guy, you know, a bachelor living in Rittenhouse. I had a great job, you know. I was doing well, like, and, you know, life hits you sometimes, and that was the one. And, you know, I was like, excuse me, come again? And then, you know, I ended up going to his group home, and it was in North Philly, and it was just like, holy smokes, there's like 10 kids sleeping on bunk beds here, and it was just like a really tough situation, but the problem is, you know, foster care, they don't have a lot of beds. So when they get a bed for a kid, they kind of do the best what they got. And then, um, so he, you know, we started the process. And I remember the day he was moving out with trash bags from his group home. Um, and then he went from living in a group home to living in Rittenhouse Square. And he was just like, what the heck, man? This is crazy. And then, you know, we... People always say like it's like the blind side, but he was he was bad. He was a bad. He was a rough kid to deal with, man. Right. He would take my car when I go to sleep, or, and we'd be like, we'd get into it. And the thing is, I taught him boxing all those years. So the last time, about a year ago, he really got into it. He was like, one in Boston Market. I was like, there's food in the fridge. We got into a little good, and he's like, well, let's go outside. And I was like, no, we can handle this right here. He's like, no, we go outside. We don't mess the house up. It's my house. I can mess it up. You know, <laughs> whatever. Not, that's, but my reasoning was. So he's got like a 74-inch reach wingspan. Right. I taught him how to box since he was 15. So if we go outside, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna have a long day because this kid's going to be, you know, if we stay inside, I got my brown belt in jiu-jitsu, I'm going to be able to take him down and hold yeah, him. Yeah, of course. So I want to keep him in close quarters. Luckily, we, you know, we kind of de-escalated the situation. He was leaving for college like the next week. I was like, look, bud, if you, we get into it, if you beat me bloody. You're going to have to help me off the ground so I can take you to college next week. Conversely, if I beat you bloody and you're on the ground, I got to help you up and take you to college next week. So let's avoid that and let's make some burgers in the fridge and then maybe we'll get, you know, Boston Market after, uh, you know, next week or something like that. So, um, yeah, that was my, one of my best dad jokes was he, actually he was going to Boston Market and it was, I think it was New Year's and they had mummers and he took forever and I was like, Hey man, what, what did you go all the way to Boston? <laughs> and he's just like, I hate you. <laughs> and 
That's his favorite spot, man. He loves – I could eat Boston Market every day of the week and twice on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, so my best – actually, the best dad joke ever was, like, I got him with the uh, – it smells like up dog in here. And he was like, what's up, dog? And I was like, I don't know, dog. What the fuck's up with you? <laughs> and he's like, I hate you. Like, you're, you're a weirdo. But, like, no, he's uh, – you know, it's been a long – and then, you obviously, you know, like, you know, when the Roger Goodell sent us to the Super Bowl, that was pretty nuts. They didn't tell us uh, when we went. It was the Eagles Seahawks playoffs, and they didn't tell us anything. They just said, "Hey, will you be our guest on the sideline? We got some extra tickets." So Eagles give us tickets for time. Eagles have been really great, man. Like Zach Ertz gave his personal cleats uh, to a kid, you know, who has a, wore a size fourteen shoe. Who's they gave us their sideline jackets one year. That was nuts. When they gave us their sideline jackets, I tweeted it, and Chris Long retweeted it. I don't know. I guess celebrities have to turn when you're. I guess people like that, you have to turn your notifications off because literally, I couldn't type my phone because it was like five thousand likes and like. Right, right. Uh, we went to the Super Bowl when Roger Goodell uh, tweeted us, or the NFL tweeted us. It was one hundred fifty thousand uh, likes, and it was like, oh my god, this is. And everything was really positive. People donated from that. There was like one or two. Like, there's always jerks on Twitter who are just like. One guy was like, "I wish I got." Blessed in foster care, so I go to the Super Bowl. Like, yo, dude, you're a dick. Yeah, that's why I'm not on. You know, I spend very little time on social media at all. So, I don't. Yeah, I don't have a Twitter. Cool, I don't even man, look at that stuff. Yeah, so we're on the sidelines, and then our friend from the Eagles, who works at community care, was like, "Yo, dude, um, I want you to come meet somebody." And me and Zai walk over, and this guy turns around. He's like, "Hey, gentlemen." So every NFL team put in a feel good story, and the Eagles put our feel good story about his adoption, which was. It was on the front of the Inquirer, all that stuff. So, you know, we go over and he turns around and um, he says, hey, guys, I'm Roger Goodell. Uh, I want you to be my guest at the Super Bowl. And then, you know, they gave, you know, let him try on a Super Bowl ring and they gave us a signed football, et cetera, et cetera. And like I said, I've seen him cry twice. One when his best friend died and one when we, you know, and he's, you know, that's the picture was in the Inquirer, like him crying his eyes out and us going to the Super Bowl. And it was so... That even, that story. So we get down there. This is this is really good. We get down there. We're going in with our NFL passes to the Super Bowl. Our seats were in like the third tier, which is really cool. It's still cool. Um, we see a buddy of ours, Kenny, and a buddy of ours, Tony. Tony Piazza, who's Mike Piazza's little brother. And they're like, guys, follow us and act like you've been here before. We're like, what are you talking about? So Tony had gone on. Uh, StubHub, and there was four seats at the 50-yard line that had not been claimed. There were $12,000 seats. And we're like, no way. You know, we get down there, and Zai, of course, he's like, yo, this, this the being white is crazy. Like, y'all can, y'all can just do whatever. <laughs> yeah, and, act like you've been there before. He's like, all right. Yeah, so we walk past security. He's like, finesse the security, finesse the security. We're now, all right, so... We're at the 50-yard line of the Super Bowl for, you know, first row. And we're like, somebody's got to claim these seats, right? Like, they're not going to sit here the whole game. First first quarter goes up. We stay there the whole time. Second quarter goes up. We're still there. We watch, uh, was it Shakira and J-Lo from, like, you know, 50 feet away or 25 feet away, whatever the case may be. And then third quarter comes, nobody claims the seats. Fourth quarter comes, and he was rooting for the Chiefs, and the Chiefs won, and then... You know, we're going nuts. We get back to the hotel room. I'm tired. We got a flight back to Philly in the morning. He is right in the gym, 
till three in the morning, four in the morning, whatever. He's like, Dad, I promise you, I will be on that field. I will be on that field someday. So he just went back. Ten to toes way. down. Yeah, ten, as as the boy as, as as it is common, ten ten toes down. He just went down and just started working and just you know he, I I, I will you know give him. He gets up at you know eight thirty every morning and goes to the gym. Then he goes at two thirty to his speed coach every day, and uh, you know he's he's locked in. He that's a, a great thing you talk about social media. When he's getting ready for camp, he deletes his Instagram. So when he deletes his Instagram, that's when he says, "I'm locked in right now. I can't." Yeah, he knows that's definitely that's definitely it. He knows like whenever you know, he knows that he's not just going to get there. It's not going to be by accident. No way. Those guys don't get there by accident. Like they they have they have some gifts, but. You know they're they're not going to get there, but you know without without putting the work in, and, and he knows it. You can shake a tree in Germantown, and you'll find ten guys who were like, "I should have been this, I could have been this, I was this, I was all state, I was all everything," and you know, I was this, I was that. But you know, again, it's glory days. So I'll tell you what, though, man, focus is bringing that percentage up, man. Like they they probably didn't have guys that were around them giving them SAT prep and you know, f- meals and, and, and talking to them. Like they didn't have that, man. So that your percentage, th- those percentages are going to go up without a doubt. Well, it's more, not just the, the NFL. So we have guys that go D three to like Bates college. We have a kid who, um, led the Philadelphia public league in score and receiving yards and ended up going to a D three school when he, it was $60,000 a year. So it's a great private school. So, um, more like we want these guys to be the future leaders of this city, right? We want them to be lawyers and doctors and politicians and accountants. And um, that's going to be the driving force for the, the change we want to see. Right, man. Like, you know, I'm a fireman in the city, man. I, I know what it is. Like, you know, I'm serving the city. And, you know, like you said, we're talking about the, you know, going to the, you know, going to the Super Bowl, making the NFL. But it's even more important to be able to just go from – you know, maybe not having anything to go in D3, getting a good education and coming out positive and, yeah, and also job, be able to get back and come back to focus yeah, and help you're out. Contributing, that's the thing. You're contributing to, you know, your community, you know, you're a taxpaying, law-abiding citizen and you're, you're kind of, um, you know, giving, which is great now. Zymir is actually a coach with focus now because he's an alumni. So we have guys come back who are, you know, the other day we had a running back at Howard who's a, um, you know, we have, uh, you know, guys from a kid from New Hampshire who first year focus athletics six years ago, who's now coaching the kids up. So again, those kids are coming back and those 10 kids help 10 kids help 10 kids. The ripple effect we're going to have is going to be something really incredible. Yeah. And even hearing back from those guys, like, I mean, you guys can stand up there and preach all day, but those kids went through the program, they lived it. And now, you know, those kids look at them, they come from the same place. They might listen to them a little bit more. Oh, sure. You know, it's good. You know, it, the proof's right there in front of them. You they know? look at them like they have stars with stars in their eyes. Yeah. Like, you, you think about it, you know, a 12, 14 year old kid who's now seeing, you know, this slick D1 athlete, uh, college football player who's, you know, charismatic, good looking, um, you know, handsome guys who are just coming to invest in them, they, they felt self-worth. You f- they feel good about themselves, which is really important. Nice. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, on top of them coming back and helping out, like what else do you guys do consistently throughout the year, like with fundraising and different events you put on? Well, it's been interesting this year. Our biggest fundraising event is our ping pong tournament, which is, <laughs> um, you know, we used to rent out spin and 
this year we couldn't do that. So we're making a pivot and we're doing, I'll get you the details. We're doing an online poker tournament. All right, word. So yeah, we've had, you know, so many people, it's a hundred dollar buy-in, but everybody's bored as ever in quarantine, right? Right. So guys will pay a hundred bucks to play poker and you know, everybody thinks they're like the world series of poker now and they got their sunglasses on and stuff. And God What's that bl- guy, uh, Chris Moneymaker. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. had his like uh, dinosaur glasses on, and now everybody, yeah, everybody, exploded. you know, wants to, you know watch the poker and they want to play, and uh, the buy-in's a hundred bucks, fifty goes to the program, you know, fifty goes to the pot, and then it's a hundred dollars to buy back in every time. So um, I know a lot of firemen that are, that are ready to give some money away for right, a good well, cause. Yeah, we'll when's, when's that going down? You know, uh, we're looking at the second week in January. I'll get you all the details. Okay. So, yeah, all your degenerate gambler friends, uh, get them signed up. Word. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, oh, it's, it's no problem. My phone will be ringing, no problem. No <laughs> yeah, we'll, problem. Get it, yeah. we'll get it squared away, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll no. be your middle man. So that's, uh, yeah, that's the pivot we've made during, you know, these crazy times is, you know, an online poker tournament, which is, this is crazy how the universe works, is um, a guy had said, yo, we should do an online poker tournament. I was like, I don't know how to do that. I'm like, oh, eh. I got on a call with a lawyer friend of mine over something totally different, He's like, yo, by the way, I just did an online poker tournament for this nonprofit. You guys should do that. And I was like, dude, I've been looking for somebody. He's like, find the guy. He's like, yeah, I built this whole platform just to do online poker. You know, I'll do it for free. I'll run the thing for free. And he's just like, oh my God. You know, I'm, you know, not a crazy religious guy, but like the world works in mysterious yep. ways that, you know, and karma works, you know, or whatever karma we call it, like goodwill, whatever, good fortune, uh, works in, you know, mysterious ways to be able to, uh, kind of make it happen. Yeah, it's funny you say that, and I, I'm not really like that either too much. But like, I thought about that a lot. I've ran into you in the city probably five or six times in the last couple of years. I ran into you more than any other person I've ran into ever. You know what I mean? So it was like always like, damn, like I got to keep coming back. Like you know, there's always something about it, man. And then you know, I, I was, was out a lot before Zymir. Now, yeah. now I'm like, uh, well, we have, I have Zymir, and then I have a daughter, Anaya, and then. Darius as well as another kid in Focus who came to Focus and was like, I live in the teen homeless shelter. And I was like, geez, man. Like, And then that's the thing. I have my treatment level foster parent certification, which is treatment level is the highest you can go. Like that's the kids who have, you know, a lot of, been through a lot. And he was like, I heard you're, you know, like, yeah, yeah, I am. And, you know, he kept mentioning. I was like, look, man, you want to get out of the shelter, huh? You want to, you need a place to stay? He's like, yeah. I was like, just ask me. And so we had him in, you know, and he's he's actually working with mainline security. He's doing he's doing some some bouncing and you know, he's he's big boy. He wants to do National Guard, but he's three hundred and thirty pounds and he's like six three. So I was like, Man, you better get your I bought him running shoes for, for you know, Christmas or whatever. So That's the only thing that's that's terrible about some of those entrants. It's, you know, the entrance requirements for the military, even once you're in, like, you know, you know take a kid like that, you know, but they're going to say he's, like, too big. Yeah. You know, like, you know. No, when I was at Valley Forge Military, I did my, I my neck was over 20 inches at the time, and they were like, you, you can't, I was like, look, I can, be, I can hit every, but, you know, I'm just excited for him to be able to, and he's been a tough one, man, coming from the, the you know, teen homeless shelter, but he's doing well, and, you know, he was at workouts on, on Wednesday, and. Um, just really trying to shed the weight and trying to get in shape because he's going to CCP and wants to do the National Guard, which is cool. Yeah. What's his timeline on that, on, on trying to get in the National he's Guard He's got there. two years at CCP, so it's, you know, he's not in any rush. But yeah. uh, I think it's a great, you know, that, that's, you know, again, the percentages of living in the teen homeless shelter to 
you know, having a college degree and being in the National Guard. And or, serving, yeah. Yeah, you're you're doing pretty impressive Yeah, you're stuff. balling. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Yep. Yeah, I know you're a Navy guy as well. Yeah I, did my, yeah, I did my four years, man, and, you know, if I can help him out in any way, I'll definitely help him out. I, I ran some of those PF, you know, the PFTs, getting ready for the military and all that, so I know what it is. It's funny. I think I told you we had we have a volunteer who found us online who um, we call him Navy SEAL Bill. Yeah, yeah, you are telling me about him. And uh, he was actually, I believe, a boat mate with David Goggins, something like that, but he comes down, he's just, he's a lawyer now, but he's just just yoked out of his mind and just like <laughs> one day we did tug of wars with the kids and he was just like you know the kids were kind of giving him some hell and he wraps the rope around him he's like you know and he's just going busy but you know we didn't tell him he's a navy seal and i mean he was like dad i think he might have been in the army or something <laughs> I was like, yeah, he, yeah he saw it he, he saw that something yeah, in his eyes some, unbreakable something yeah, similar unbreakable. Yeah, guys he's just like a uh you know so that's been interesting as far as our guys that are kind of because we, um, you know, we had a couple. I had one kid who had a West Point offer at so at one point he was like, Jack, I don't believe you know the military, uh, you know African Americans. The military is for African Americans. I was like, what do you mean, buddy? He's like, and he was just really thinking that they were going to put him with an M sixteen on the front lines. I was like, no, no, no. If you go to West Point, you're an investor. Yeah, now you're yeah you're you're squared away there. Your brain is like. They're, they're, they're not going to, you know, throw you out. So just kind of dispelling those myths. Mm-hmm. You know, I was terrible at school. Like, I didn't care. Like, I didn't start studying. If I went to college when I was 25, I would have crushed it. I would have went to be a lawyer or a doctor or something. I just didn't care when I was younger. But, you know, and you guys are pushing them to do so. But there's a lot of guys who may not, you know, have the grades to do and, and to get to an Ivy League school. So that option going to the military is, is, is a great opportunity yeah, and, and a good avenue that, for them. Yeah, the guys that can play at a service academy, if you have an offer from West Point or Naval Academy or you know Air Force Academy and you can play football there and get that education, those educations, I mean, I don't even know what it costs a year to go to the Naval Academy or go to the – but, I mean, you are a investment. Yeah. And, you know, when you get out and you go to the private sector, you're going to be a sought-after commodity. You're going to be a, you know – businesses are going to want you and you know that yes, they should yeah of course and that that training and that opportunity is so vital and so important you know i mean you can put any of the service academies up with any of the ivy leagues uh ivy league schools 100 percent um so yeah it's a great opportunity and guys can certainly take advantage of that but like i said the one kid i was talking about was just like he literally thought they were gonna put an m16 in his hands and put him out to the front lines like no 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 sir when they're investing in you to go to the, uh, you know, to go to West Point, that's not how it really works. Yeah, you might be leading some guys doing that, but yeah, absolutely. they're going to be looking after you for sure. Indeed. Yeah, so as far as, you know, volunteers and getting people to donate to Focus Athletics, um, you know, what type of people are you looking for? Like, you know, I know you talk, you know, we talk about SAT prep, athlete, you know, athletics, all that stuff. Like, what kind of people are you looking for it's really as anybody. far as I mean, volunteering their time? If you can do a, if you can build a resume and take a template and literally type in like help, you can volunteer. I mean, we've had people from, you know, all walks of life. We've had people that went to MIT, people that, it's funny, the one guy who is exceptional tutor, he's like, yeah, I'm an electrical engineer. And the one kid raised his hand and said, would you go to trade school? He's like, no, I went to Duke. Um, he said, you don't understand, yeah, you know, yeah. just getting to interact with these folks from all different walks of life is really uh 
I think one of the core uh, components of the program is getting you know introduced to folks who are uh, they wouldn't normal guys wouldn't normally meet in their in their day to day interactions. So um, we've had great uh, response from the Independence Blue Cross uh, at Twenty Fifth Market. They you know before COVID we were housed on the twenty fourth floor. We had whiteboards all around you know for tutoring, and we, they would have Independence Blue Cross would have their their Blues Crew, which is like their essentially employees have to volunteer for a certain amount of hours, and they had some really great folks they sent our way uh and hopefully you know some of them are still tutoring with us but hopefully when things open back up whenever that is we'll be back there and they'll be able to you know continue to provide um provide uh volunteers and tutors yeah so you, you spoke of like the blue cross so you know who else in the city and what other organizations do you guys work with closely that have you know can kind of been fundamental to <laughs> well success well we have our our food partners, which is Qdoba, gives us seven dollar meals. Um, you know, we've had up to like almost one night we had seventy kids in there, and they give us seven dollar meals. And they've been even during the pandemic have been great food partners. Um, Shake Shack gives us thirty five percent off, which is like the kids love that. I can't eat these because I'm old now and I get you know, a burger. <laughs> yeah, they'll shed that off. Yeah, burger tears me up. But um, you know, the guys love Shake Shack. They've been great. Um, Federal Donuts uh, gave us a 50% discount for many years, which was, you know, super incredible as far as, and you think like, oh, well, you're feeding kids chicken and donuts, but like when you're a 17 year old college athlete, you burn that, you know, it's, you know potential college athlete, you burn that stuff in two yeah, seconds. Yeah, all day, so, all day. Um, they've been great to us. Iron Hill Brewery, which is crazy. Uh, a guy I played college ball with is now their uh, a senior vice president. So, they donate one meal a month, and the kids go and they have their own menu, everything. They uh, Iron Hill actually uh, hosted our signing day last year, and they surprised every kid who signed with a laptop. Nice, which is sick. nice. That's I crucial. Mean, so amazing. So they've been great. Um, Sweat Fitness uh, is really incredible. A big shout out to Sweat Fitness. They donate. Um, an hour of space every Wednesday and Saturday. Uh, you know, so. that's for your, for your workouts there. Mm-hmm. And if you ever been to the broad and chestnut location, uh, they have like 60 yards of turf. They have, it's, it's just incredible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's top notch. Yeah. It's, you know, the guys and they feel the investment guys walk in there and they're like, wow, these people care enough about me to make sure I have a place to work out. And they really appreciate it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important for people to hear and, and that's how we operate. You know, as far as, you know, the firefighter community, if we hear, so we fear people that are helping out firefighters, we're going to go shop there. We're going to buy there. We're going to spend our money there. And you know, I think the people that are listening should do the same, you know, like, you know, if those people are willing to help you guys, they're good people. And, and uh, we need to fitness. give it back to them. Endless, endless love to them. They've been so incredible to us. Yeah. So is there any, uh, is there any particular people or organizations that you've mirrored yourself after? You know, I like to spend a little bit of time each day, you know, aimed at and focused on gratitude. You know, I'll spend some time after you get done, you know, kind of thank some people that helped me out with the podcast. So, you know, maybe this will be yeah. your time, man, to 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 get straight up and, and thank some people, man. I think it's important to do. I mean, honestly, um, and this time flew by fast, really. We've been, you know, getting it in. It was just really incredible. Yeah, so, um, I mean, some pro- uh, programs that we model ourselves after, maybe 
I mean, Marcus Allen is the CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters. He's been a great. I was a former little brother, so okay. I uh, I've done a couple speaking engagements for them as far as what the program did for me. Um, there's a great program called HopeWorks in Camden that does. It's like really tech centered, um, giving kids free um, training in, in the tech tech realm. So there's a bunch of different. I mean, we just have so many. I mean, I could sit here for hours as far as the thank yous of folks that have really donated their time and donated their energy and donated the well in nonprofits uh there's three t's time talent treasure so you've done your time your talent or you know your gifts or, or, or monetary but like we've had so much of all three to get this to where we're at and um you know i and i actually don't have to sit here all night and just tell all the great people that have helped us along the way that's awesome man that, that's 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 great to hear and yeah i'll do the same thing you know, I had a lot of reservations, you know, when I was thinking about trying to, you know, start my own organization and I kind of figured a way to do it. And it was tough for me to figure out because, you know, I saw what you were doing. I tried to help out wherever I could. You know, there's, I'm in the fire department. I'm a veteran. Yeah, I'm in the martial arts community, you know, so it was kind of hard to figure out what I wanted to do. Like, gosh, oh, I start an organization for vets or should it be like, you know, like concussion system related for fighters, like where should it be? And I kind of like finally had that moment where I'm like, oh, wait, like how about I can just have these people on a podcast, talk to them about what they're doing, and I can kind of like spread out and, and touch bases on, You're on not different limiting things. Yourself, huh? Yeah, I'm not limiting myself. So I, I found a way where I could do that. You're not putting constraints on you. Yeah, man. So, and I had some reservations about it before. So I want to, I want to thank some people. Uh, you know, Max Fisher and Jesse Gray, they were like the first two people that I even brought it up to that kind of gave me the confidence to move forward with it. Uh, Ryan Palermo, another brown belt that trains jiu-jitsu, um, who has helped me build this from the ground up so far. Frank Gambino, you helped me out with building out the graphics for the Altruism Unplugged logo. Uh, Nick Elmy, you'll hear him on a future podcast. He, he gives a lot to the community in the Philadelphia area. And... Um, Last but not least, um, Anthony Sergi, who Nick Elmy actually introduced me to. He's the producer for the podcast and is helping us uh, getting this thing going. I would still be rubbing two sticks together, you know, trying to create fire here if it wasn't for him. So thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Um, just to kind of circle back, if someone does want to volunteer or donate, how do they do that? Like, where do they find you at? Focusathletics.org. We have uh, Kindful, which is a giving CRM set up so you can literally donate, you can sign up to volunteer, you can do everything through our website. So focusedathletics.org. How about, uh, you have anything on social media? We talked about social media. Where do you got our on that? Instagram is focusedathletics215. Our Twitter is focusedathletics underscore 215. My personal is wolfmanjackfocused. Um, so, you know, but uh, as far as the program, you can catch up with us, you know, on the website or at uh, focusedathletics215 on Instagram. Yeah, and, and for people listening, if, and if, if this isn't your thing, like if you, yeah, I don't expect everybody to donate every single episode that you listen to, you know, but, you know, if you do have a skill set or this this speaks to you, go out and volunteer or, 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 drop, or drop a couple of dimes on them. But you might know somebody that, hey, like, hey, this guy, you know, this guy was a foster kid and, or he, you know, he helps other people in, in their community in the same way, you know, link them up or, or, or share the episode with them. Like they might be, you know, interested in donating or volunteering their time. So, you know, definitely do that if, if you feel like you know someone that, you know, that it would speak to. And I think it'd be cool to maybe have you on again. Maybe, uh, you know, bring one of the athletes 
that it's gone through the Maybe program we'll get on. Mr. Zymir on here. Yeah, let's get him on, man. Yo, shout him out. We'll get you on, man. We'll get you on here. I need you on the mic. Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram at Altruism Unplugged. Email's the same thing, Altruism Unplugged at Gmail. Website's the same, altruismunplugged.com. Um, that's all the time we have for today. But before we go, I want to ask you guys, the listeners, to not only share the episode, but also if you have a suggestion for people that you know who are living the altruistic lifestyle and you think we can have them on the show in the future, definitely do so. Share it with us. And also um, share your stories if you've been positively impacted by somebody in your life or or an organization and you want us to share that story on a future episode, send us an email or drop us a message on the gram. Be on the lookout for future episodes. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.